You're listening to the Healing Birth Podcast, and I'm your host, Carla Sargent. Each week, we'll spend an insightful and inspiring hour together, listening to the stories of people who have journeyed from trauma to healing, and discussing the insights of birth keepers who support others to heal. Whether you're new to the world of birth, a long-time parent, or someone who has an insatiable appetite for all things birth-related, this podcast offers hope and love, guidance and peace, as together we explore how healing our earth begins with healing birth. Bella is a mother, a doula and healing birth practitioner living in Fakatane with her husband, daughter and dogs. Bella views birth as a transformative rite of passage for women and birth givers, no matter where or how it takes place. Utilising the skills and knowledge gained in her studies of psychology, energy healing and spirituality to inform her holistic approach, Bella holds space and ceremony for women to honour this sacred transition. She is passionate about restoring respect and reverence for physiological birth in our public maternal healthcare system. She is involved with the long-standing New Zealand advocacy organisation, Maternity Services Consumer Council, and lobbies her local representatives for meaningful change in this space. In this episode of the Healing Birth podcast, Bella shares with us her journey into motherhood, including two stories of early baby loss and a traumatic home-to-hospital transfer for a Vontos birth with her daughter. Bella is now pregnant again, and these stories, along with her healing birth practitioner training and doula training, have meant that Bella is choosing to take a different approach to navigating this pregnancy and birth experience. She is experiencing a wild pregnancy and planning a free birth, and is generously inviting us all to share in her journey as she walks this path. We'll be touching base with Bella again before long for the next interview in this inspirational series. Welcome, Bella, to the Healing Birth Podcast. Um, You are a special treat for us to have on the podcast. I would have wanted to interview you uh, anyway with regards to your birth work and um, your journey from sort of trauma through to finding healing. Um, But it just so happens that you are pregnant now and (laughs) that you have beautifully offered to um and very generously offered to share your journey of your wild pregnancy and we'll talk to the listeners about what that's all about soon um but your journey through a wild wild pregnancy and um and yeah a free birth experience that you want to have sometime in the future um And so we get to hear about your journey as you're experiencing it, which is really, really special. I mean, we hear lots of podcast um, birth stories out there uh, that are are talked about in hindsight, but I think there's something ultra uh, enlightening, special, um, empowering to hear somebody share their experience as they are going through it and sharing the the challenges and the highs and lows and... um, the questions and uh, all those sorts of things with us. So it's, yeah, I, I am really, I'm really super excited to get to hear about your journey as you're going through it as, as a friend of yours and somebody who, um, who is really excited to, you know, hear how this journey progresses. Um, But yeah, like I said, I just think it's so special that you are offering this to 
all the listeners out there who um, can learn through your journey as well and be inspired and um, empowered through through these conversations we're going to be having. Um, and I don't know how often we're going to get together and talk this through, but um, yep, today's our, our first uh, our first episode together. And um, so yeah, so welcome. Like I, that's quite the introduction, <laughs> but welcome, Bella. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. Um, we met like whew, maybe a year ago. Um, yeah, about a year ago, we did, um, you did my healing birth practitioner training course, which was our first connection, and um, and we kind of really hit it off as people, <laughs> as birth workers, but as people and friends, and um, yeah, so, so thank you. Welcome, thank you, and yeah, I am amped for today's interview with you. <laughs> thank you so much, Carla, it's such a honor um yeah to be on a podcast goodness I don't know if I thought that would happen but yeah I'm really excited to share my journey as it happens um like you said I've listened to so many birth stories in retrospect and obviously the journey of pregnancy we go through so much um yeah highs and lows and challenges um and so yeah I'm excited to share that be vulnerable and open and just be honest and honest human living what I believe to be the best choices for me and my family so thank you for having me awesome yeah honesty is so key you know we we live in a culture don't we where um social media is all the highlights reels and um it's the the tough stuff the the vulnerable stuff is often not spoken about enough. Um, and that's where the healing takes place for people, especially around birth trauma, is through hearing somebody vulnerably share their truth and knowing that you're not alone and knowing that the challenges that you faced were faced by others and that they made it through and that they found healing. And yeah, that's what this podcast is all about. So um, yeah, it's courageous though. That vulnerability is courageous. So um, props to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's um, it's definitely sort of the foundation of my like online sharing. My Instagram handle being boldly she, just being bold and brave and sharing my struggles and vulnerabilities has always been um, yeah, back in the OG days of having a blog and sharing my challenges through my early twenties, and that's evolved into my Instagram. But yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Hey, well, let's rewind a little bit. And um, before we crack into talking about this current pregnancy, I think it's going to be helpful for listeners to have a bit of an appreciation for your the journey you've been on up to this point. Um, and so, yeah, share with us your journey into motherhood. Mm. So um, I have a daughter who is nearly two. She'll be two in February. Um, but before we conceived her, I had been pregnant twice before. So a couple of years before my daughter's conception, um, I was in a fleeting uh, relationship um, that was very tumultuous. And um, my partner at the time had really ill mental health. And so 
I, I never expected to fall pregnant in that context. And so when I did, um, I was faced with the impossible decision of, of not, cho not choosing to keep that pregnancy, um, which was really difficult. It was a really, really challenging initiation into motherhood. Um, as someone who always dreamed of being a mother and never imagined myself in that situation. Um, but for me at the time, and I, I've stood by this since then, I know it was the right decision to keep uh, both this, the baby and myself safe from him, um, which is a bit of a paradox, but that that's the truth. Um, so about a year later, I was um, yeah in a relationship with my now husband and we fell pregnant but experienced uh, early pregnancy loss and at that time um, I really grieved for both of those pregnancies I realized that um, just as a way of coping with the first the first pregnancy loss um, I just pushed it down and sort of got on with things but but with the second loss that was unexpected just really hit me um, the grief and the pain and I think that so many women can resonate with motherhood being this roller coaster ride of love and grief and death being a part of life and birth so um, both of those experiences really informed a lot of my work now and um, just gave me so much deep compassion for women and mothers and um, what we go through to bring life into this world it's not a linear process um yeah so sort of had these couple of years of of being um yeah touched into the birth world uh, um ahead of my daughter's conception and so we fell pregnant with her uh, in the first lockdown of may 2020 um not much else to do but yeah cook and spend time with your husband at home um yeah so I'd spent some time um, through those earlier two years like reading Ina May and um Jane Hardwick Collings and yeah just really diving into these like legends of the birth world um and yeah learning so much about my womb and uh, physiological birth and home birth just straight away was um the decision like I just knew it wasn't even a question um for my daughter um and yeah even at that time I was sort of touched in with this idea of having a wild pregnancy and and free birthing um and was really fascinated with how different that was than the mainstream you know approaches so um I had a midwife when my with my daughter's pregnancy um, but I, I chose not to do all of the things that are traditionally offered. So I just had one scan at 12 weeks, um, which was largely because my husband really wanted to have one. Um, and that was fine, but I just really don't enjoy ultrasounds. Um, I find the sonographers to be, you know, not particularly compassionate and, it, you know, it's just really cultural um milestone of pregnancy going for these scans and we can we'll be so excited and you know turn up and then people just don't seem to care you know they're doing it all day every day and there's the magic was just lost you know and and it, that really affirmed 
my intuitive feelings that actually pregnancy is a really sacred time um, to connect in with myself and my baby. And um, yeah, you know, we're pregnant every single day for, you know, 19 months. So why are we just waiting for these incremental opportunities to see our baby through a screen when actually we can put our hands on our womb and and take some deep breaths and connect at in any moment um so I didn't do the glucose tolerance test for gestational diabetes I didn't do the group B strep test um I was reading Sarah Wickham and Rachel Reed and I was really informed you know I knew that high false positives in these tests I, I knew that intuitively they weren't relevant to me I was healthy and well and yeah um, my daughter's pregnancy was a beautiful time I just felt like like a goddess like yeah it was it was beautiful um do you want me to go into her birth story now as well I would love that that would be amazing thank you um yeah so reaching the end of pregnancy um yeah, there, there was a lot a lot going on. Um, a really close friend of mine, uh, we were similarly pregnant. Um, she was a couple of weeks behind me in pregnancy. And at 36 weeks, she tragically lost her baby. Um, and so I was 38 weeks pregnant at the time. We had the same midwife. Um, and so this experience of, of her loss of her baby um, was really significant and um yeah again just grief you know and navigating this alongside uh, my own journey um and so showing up as a friend for her while also being really conscious that I was still very very pregnant and and I knew I would go on to have my baby um it was it was really complicated and, and challenging but um yeah, we, we nutted through that and um, yeah, my, my midwife, um, she, she wasn't the best at communication throughout the pregnancy at the best of times, like I think tends to be a bit of a theme with our midwives, you know, they're so busy, um, but yeah, she kind of just dropped off the radar um, due to what had happened with my friend and I'd reached out um, to send my condolences to her because I I knew that she would have been affected by that as well. Um, and I never heard anything back. And then for my final two um, prenatal appointments, I had different midwives come who I'd never met before. And it was just this, just a weird energy around, um, yeah, just a lack of support from my care providers, essentially. So when the weekend came that I went into labor, I was just a couple of days past my due date. Um, it turned out that my midwife was actually off call. So at the time, I I actually felt pleased about that because there was this unspoken energy between us that hadn't been addressed. Um, so yeah, I labored at home with my husband and it was beautiful. You know, it was just the two of us, um, had my music going and my candles and just was just swaying around the room. Um, and you know, like many first labors, it was very slow to build. Um, gosh, in hindsight, I should have just gotten on with my life and kind of <laughs> ignored it for a day. But um, I was so excited and 
um, you know, I'd read all the books and I just, you know, I'm, I've set pretty high expectations of myself. And so I just really wanted to do this well. Um, and so, yeah, just, just waiting for it to build slowly, slowly, slowly um, over about, yeah, 20 hours probably um, until we finally rang the midwife and um, the one who was on call answered and she was like, cool, I'll come around and see how you're going, you know, being first time, we just wanted some guidance, you know, I didn't really know like what to expect, um, yeah, how it was going to go, I just, you know, we want to be held in that time, um, so she came and um, I had originally not wanted to have any vaginal exams, um, but ended up consenting to one just to find out like where we were at. Um, but gosh, it, it was assaulting. It was, it was really painful and physical. And um, yeah, I was quite shocked um, by that. And yeah, she was, she was really excited. She said, awesome, you're nearly fully dilated. Let's like jump in the pool. Let's get going. This baby's coming tonight. I said all these things. I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Um, but gosh, in hindsight, I was, you know, I still had a long way to go. Um, I wasn't off in labor land. I was like communicating with her, trying to build a relationship, get to know this strange person who had come to my home and chatting away about birth. And I was sitting in the pool. Um, we kind of struggled to keep it warm enough with the heating in our house. And I could tell that my contractions had slowed. But I just, you know, handed over the authority in the situation to her and she's like no no you're fine you're all good keep going keep going push when you feel like you want to and so I started pushing way before I had any urge to do so um and so just got really drawn out hours upon hours of yeah slow build um this like strange energy of a different person being in my home um pushing with yeah not being ready to push um so eventually I decided to get out of the pool um she had said to me at some point oh, I can only let you push for two hours and so I knew in my head that you know it was up to me like there's she can't make me go anywhere or do anything but I that comment just sat in my mind and I felt this pressure and this time restriction you know even though I was in my home um and so I thought, okay, I need to get this going. So out of the pool, sat on the toilet, was hanging off my kitchen counter and the, the intensity of the surges on, on land were, were very, very strong. Um, but I just still couldn't fully drop into that experience because I was terrified that it was going to be taken away from me. And, and I knew what would happen if I transferred. I was really aware of the interventions um, and the risk of that going into a hospital setting. And so around this time, the second midwife arrived and gosh, she was in the worst mood. She was just so grumpy, sat on the couch with her arms crossed, um, just didn't want to be there. And I was so sensitive to that. Um, you know, when we're in labor, we're so open and just energetically attuned to our environment and yeah it just made me retract and um 
just just I was just disturbed you know even more so it got to the point where um you know I'd been laboring for like 35 hours and it was just the two midwives and my husband and me at home and I remember sort of coming out of a contraction and looking at my husband and seeing how tired he was and and also seeing like a fear in his eyes like he didn't know what to do this had been going on for a really long time the midwives weren't offering him any support they weren't offering me any support either they were just sitting on the couch leaving us to do it all um which I wanted to be left to lead the process but I also expected you know a hand on the shoulder words of encouragement and you know love through the process um so realizing that my husband, my one support person had reached his limit, but essentially um, I knew that I had to transfer at that point. I needed help that wasn't in that room. I needed support that wasn't there. And my only option was the hospital. So um, it was, I think it was also important for me to make that call rather than being told we have to go. Um, so yeah, we... We live in Fakatani, it's a small town. So my husband just drove me up the road a couple of minutes to the maternity ward. Um, and, you know, I, I, the, the control of the situation was out of my hands. Um, an obstetrician rushed in, again, really burly, brisk business energy on the bed, legs in stirrups, on my back. Um, yeah, just no, you know, no respect no love I didn't need an episiotomy I didn't need a Vontos delivery um I did not need a managed third stage um Pitocin injection and pulling out my placenta um but I ended up with all of these things um and just was lying there with my daughter on my chest eventually just you know um dumbstruck with what had just happened um and also just really heartbroken that I, despite knowing what, what was, what would happen if I went to hospital, it had still happened to me, despite all the preparation I had done, I still hadn't been able to avoid that. Mm. Um, yeah. And so the obstetrician had left the room after my placenta had been delivered and then when she came back in her energy was entirely different you know she was chatty and happy and obviously you know really stoked with a successful alive baby was born um and just it was just so different to the energy that she'd entered the room with when I was still in labor you know there was no reverence for the process um you know no one just it, it was just, you know, interventions. There was no like, why don't you hop in the shower? Let me breathe with you through some contractions. Let's have been in an upright position, you know, like mm -hmm. there's so many other things that could have been offered before scissors in a suction cup. Um, yeah. So that was my daughter's birth. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, that journey with us. I'm sure too, a lot of the listeners, that'll be a really familiar experience um you know because we can do all the prep in the world and know what we're capable of and know how birth can and should be but we need we need that energy to be right we need that support that that whoever's in that our birth space 
to be on that journey with us in terms of just deep trust and reverence for the experience and just yeah holding space for like if, if there is a pause in the labor what's going on here what what you know what is Bella needing like let's just get down at her level look her in the eye and say is, is there something on your heart that you need to express here what's um do you feel like there's anything that's kind of causing this pause like you know yeah we're so in tune when we're in labor and um and you knew you knew that wasn't coming so you had you were your hands were tied I've got to go to the to the hospital I've got to have the birth that I know I desperately don't want because yeah this what I need is not available to me here mm. yeah that's that's a really um helpful story for you to share with us as well in terms of understanding and appreciating the journey that you're now on in this pregnancy um which will come to soon but I'd really love for you to share um well yeah firstly I guess just how how did you feel in the wake of that birth experience um what what sort of impacts did that have do you think on um on your start to to motherhood mm. Yeah, gosh, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because um, that experience being traumatic was not recognized by anyone, you know, in my life. Um, apart from maybe my husband, we sort of looked at each other like, holy fuck, that was intense, you know. Um, but, but still, like, the depth of that... Um, it's not it's not culturally recognized you know so um in the immediate days and weeks you know it was just the typical flurry of visitors to see and hold the baby um and I and I was fortunate that um me and my daughter were able to breastfeed really easily um I'm so grateful that we didn't have any issues with that knowing how the, my oxytocin was disrupted um and I was, of course, just so in love with her. So I kind of just got parked um, for a while until maybe a month later when my husband went back to work and I sort of found myself sitting at home alone with this tiny baby and I would just cry. I would be holding her just so heartbroken. Um, but I also didn't really have the tools to understand at that point how I was feeling, why I was feeling that way. Um, and it wasn't until maybe about, you know, she was about six months that I felt ready to write her birth story. And so I wrote that out. Um, and it was around the same time that I came across your Instagram. Um, I think I was following Marnie um, and she shared that she was going to be doing your um, healing birth practitioner training and straight away I knew I need to do this um, and so yeah did your beautiful free course which just got such an abundance of information and resources for people um, and then yeah did the training and and that really gave me the tools to process what had happened um, and um, just yeah cultivated this fire within me to do what I can to help support women 
um, to avoid the situation for themselves or to heal and process um, if they have already experienced it. Yeah, um, awesome. Awesome. It's so great that you did that course because, yeah, I can I can just, like, hearing your journey, it's like that's what healing birth my, you know, um, business is all about. It's all about people, uh, yeah, who are not being heard, seen, understood in this current sort of over-medicalized birthing climate, mothering climate that we, that we are under and facing at the moment you know the fact that you said that you went through that experience and that nobody recognized that as traumatic and possibly even I don't know if this is true for you but I know it's true for a lot of people you might not have even felt like gee was that was you know like I feel I I feel really shit about my experience but I don't can I call that trauma like mm. do I have the right to call that trauma like um I feel traumatized by it but everybody's telling me that it was a good birth everybody's telling me you know you did great like um yeah so so yeah I really wanted to start these conversations and spread the word that you know like yeah <laughs> what you are hearing out there um, may feel very different to your reality and listen to your reality trust yourself mm-hmm. your experience is valid you know your trauma is real it is valid it deserves to be heard and processed and healed and oh, fuck like how incredible and life-changing is the experience of just hearing and knowing that and understanding that and what a different course it can take you on not just in your life, but in the life of your your the rest of your family, your children, you know, sharing this journey with Bella as she grows up and your healing. I'm I've, I'm a firm believer and as we heal as mothers, our children will naturally experience that healing within themselves as well. Mm. Um, especially if we are if we are open with them about you know if we share in our healing experience if we are willing to cry those tears or write them those letters of you know um yeah expressing our sadness at how things have been and our hopes for what our future together will look like etc you know doing that processing that healing um alongside our children is going to change their journey as well um and and then of course you're sharing your story with with other people and and you've gotten into the the birth work world so you're going to be like you know your yeah the the beauty of um of healing from a traumatic experience like that is that you uh, can can speak from a um a place you know a very personal experience and others will be really inspired by that and um yeah obviously mm. kind of trust your experience yeah so um so you did the healing birth practitioner training and then um and then you did some other training as well you've done it yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh yeah there's I have a long list of courses I like to do when I have time um yeah so I just I just want to say quickly on what you just said that 
it did take me a really long time to claim my birth experience as traumatic. Um, I think that's a really big word. And in our society and culture, with such poor recognition and support around mental health, I think that so many of us shy away from, from really um, acknowledging to ourselves and then to our community the truth of what we're going through, um, you know, in our Kiwi culture of she'll be right, you know, just get on with it, don't complain kind of thing. Um, the bright side, you know, stay positive, things could have been worse. Mm. Yeah, and that's what we're told. That's what we're told. And we are socialized over a lifetime to um, listen to the professionals over ourselves. And so, you know, if there's no recognition from the system that our experience was traumatic, then who are we to claim that it is? You know, um, it's so much internal work that I and, and so many of us, you know, need to do to really... Um, yeah reclaim birth reclaim our experiences and and that's what um yeah this current pregnancy is for me um but yeah so through you sort of like connecting with your healing birth community and all of the beautiful birth workers um I connected with Sophia from Mother's Circle and when she offered her doula training training labor of love um I just knew that was the next step for me. Um, yeah, to deepen into birth work. Um, I love her her energy, the embodiment um, of the mother and and all of the facets of that um, that Sophia expresses. She, you know, she is such a beautiful, expressive person with her dance and her um, her her honoring of grief. And that was woven through our training. Um, was I, I've said this so many times. It's, it was so much more than a doula training. It was really a spiritual experience, um, a sisterhood, um, and just a, a constant um, encouragement to come back to ourselves, to just like with the practices that you um you encourage, you know, cultivating these journaling and meditation practices and turning inwards. Um, yeah, so that's been really beautiful, both having the skills from your course and from hers. Uh, I think, yeah, I feel like I'm in a really good place to be serving women in my community. Um, it's, of course, a bit of a juggle to commit um, and show up in birth work with a toddler. <laughs> Um, but I know that birth work for me is a lifelong journey and I know that my own um, personal experiences of mothering as they have already um, the present ones will continue to inform my work moving forward so I um, just show up where I am with what I've got and trust that um, it's enough in this moment mm. yeah mm. I know that um, you were excitedly pregnant with um, your next baby last Christmas when you came around here for a end of year pre-Christmas get together of some be beautiful sisters and um, and that journey did not go as you had 
hope it would go. Can you share with us a bit about that experience? Mm. Yeah, so we fell pregnant, well, we conceived um, July of last year. Um, So that was, it wasn't planned, but I know exactly when we conceived. Um, I remember the moment and I I actually called in a baby. I said, you know, um, if you're there and you and you want to come join our family, like come through, like we're ready for you, we love you, we'd be honored to have you as a part of this. And I I felt and saw this flash of light, um, which sounds pretty woo-woo to some, but that was my experience. Um, and so yeah, um, you know, a few weeks later when my period didn't come. Um, no, actually, sorry, my my period hadn't returned after having my daughter. So she was um, about six months at the time. Um, and so, yeah, I was really conscious about my cycle returning and, and waiting for that. It was really important to me. Um, my, my bleed had become a really important part of my life prior to my daughter's conception. So we weren't using contraception. I was still breastfeeding her a lot. Um, and we were just open to conceiving if that happened. And so I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. And um, yeah, I felt pregnant. I had symptoms. Um, and so I chose to have a wild pregnancy. Um, Can you explain what a wild pregnancy is? Yeah, so I didn't engage with a midwife. Um, I didn't have any first trimester blood tests um, through my GP or anyone. Um, I just chose to continue my life um, just knowing I was pregnant. Um, so that was that was great. Life went on. Um, but sort of when a few weeks after we found out, the reality kind of set in that you know, we had a very young child and we were now expecting another. And I, I remember talking to the baby in my womb and saying like, you know, I, I actually don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, I'm really scared. Molly is still so young. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can do this. And then I, you know, just continued on with my life. Um, and so I guess with a wild pregnancy, the idea is that, um, you know, you're connected in with your body. And and I just thought to myself, you know, like, if there's something wrong, I'm going to know. And if this pregnancy isn't meant to be, then I'll bleed. Um, but the thing was that that never happened. Um, I I sort of stopped experiencing symptoms and yeah I it was strange you know like I just kind of continued on thinking well I haven't bled so maybe this is just like a really cruisy pregnancy and you know da di da but yeah as through Christmas and New Year I knew that something wasn't quite right and so I'd said to my husband like I think I'm gonna um, book in for a blood test and maybe get a scan just to see how everything's going because I feel like I should have a bit of a bump by now um be feeling some movements at that point I should have been you know over 20 weeks Mm. and so I went for a blood test and my hormone levels were at zero so 
um, yeah, I wasn't pregnant, but I'd never bled. And so I ended up speaking with my midwife from my daughter's pregnancy. And, and she said to me, well, you were never pregnant. Um, it was just what we call a blighted ovum. And I'd never heard of such thing. And so I sort of read about that. And I guess essentially the idea is that the, the embryo doesn't develop and just kind of gets reabsorbed into your body at a really early stage. Um, but yeah, just her comment that you were never pregnant was just so invalidating. And mm. I mean, I knew that we had conceived mm. um, from that experience, but I, I now believe that me communicating to this baby that um, I wasn't ready that they honored that and and chose you know okay cool we'll come back when you are mm-hmm. um so we actually conceived this pregnancy in July of this year and so it's my belief that it's the same soul who's come back to join us um but yeah definitely in terms of um a wild pregnancy you know I definitely felt some shame and embarrassment around thinking I was pregnant for longer than I was and sort of continuing on my life and then not bleeding having this early you know like a loss in that physical sense was difficult to navigate talking to people about it um, Mm -hmm. because I didn't really understand what had happened either Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I've just come to accept that you know there's so much variation in life and birth and pregnancy and um yeah this is my story so yeah did you have any support to grieve that process then because you know again it's sort of it's it's like we said earlier about molly's birth and that lack of recognition that it was a traumatic experience um you know, I'm hearing sort of reflections of that in this experience as, as, as well. Um, yeah, what was your what was your journey in terms of grieving? Um, yeah, I th- I think I was just really confused, to be honest. Like it, it was just really um, not a typical situation. So I think I kind of uh, let my family sort of um, think that I did have a typical miscarriage, you know, that was just kind of um, what I communicated to them. And they were confused because I was so far along that they were sort of like, well, isn't there more of a baby in there? Like, do you need some assistance with this? And then I just sort of said, no, well, you know, it turns out that it was an early loss, but my body just held on to it for longer. Yeah. Um, which I believe is actually uh, would be quite normal and common. But I think these days, um, you know, a lot of times when we find out that we've had a miscarriage, it's at a scan or we're sent for a scan. And then if all of a sudden that baby isn't born within a day, we're shipped in for an induction or a DNC and it's forcibly removed from us. Yes. Um and, and we're told, oh, no, your body's broken. Your body doesn't know that the baby's died. All of these things. I've mm. I've done quite a few um, healing birth sessions with women where that's been their experience. Um, and that in itself has been so traumatic because they're not communicated with that actually 
you're going to be given misoprostol and you're going to have an induced labor and it's going to be very painful, um, you know? And so all of a sudden these women are sent home with a pill and they're giving birth in their bathrooms in an induced manner with no support, no communication. Um, it's awful. So sorry, a bit of a tangent there, but. Well, it's not a tangent yeah. at all. This is, this is important conversations and it does make me think, and I'm, I'm going to, raise it we won't delve, delve deep into it but it does make me also think about the the, the stories that I have heard um, for women who have a stillbirth um, the baby dies late in the pregnancy and they aren't given they aren't told their options they aren't given choices they are told they will be induced and um usually encouraged to have an epidural because why would you go through the pain of labor um if you're not going if you're going to have a, a dead baby at the end of it and and um and i've also heard amazing stories of people who have been supported around knowing their options knowing that they do have choices, that they do have time, and that nothing needs to happen um, unless and until they are ready for it um, in terms of any interventions. And in fact, in my book, um, Where the Heart Is, Stories of Home Birth in, in New Zealand, there's a chapter on birth and death. And one of the stories in there, Emily's story, she um, she was supported by an amazing home birth midwife who um, who did say to her, you know, like, yeah, we can wait for your body to go into labor naturally. And it took it took her four days um, before her body was ready to release her baby, to birth her baby. And she she had a, a really um, peaceful, loving, respectful um, beautiful birth at at home, uh, you know, um, in the water, and and that that was so important on her journey. Of course, it was devastating that she'd lost her baby, but she didn't need to go through a traumatic birth experience as well, and you know, um, and try and numb herself of that experience. She wanted to feel her baby moving through her. She wanted to honor her baby's life and death in you know that gentle loving sort of manner in her home with people mm. surrounded by people who loved and cared for her so um yeah yes it is a bit of a tangent but it's a, a beautiful opportunity to talk about the significance of what you're saying here this does happen in early miscarriages and it happens you know at all stages of of loss um of pregnancy loss where people are not informed um, that they do have options. This is still their body, their birth, their baby, and they get to call the shots, actually. Mm, and isn't it amazing, and you would know this from all of your work, how how many times have women said, I didn't know I had a choice. Exactly. I didn't know I could say no to this. I mm -hmm. could say no to that. Um, and I believe it's by design. You know, the system operates as a system, it has to be efficient. And so intentional uh, withholding of information that would make the experience nuanced for every individual entering it, it doesn't happen. Mm. Um, and again, yeah, this the reverence and the respect for the sacredness of this experience, regardless of, you know, whether the baby is alive or not. Like, as, as you said, with this beautiful story of Emily, like, that birth was so important and so special. 
her baby deserved that she deserved that and we all do mm-hmm. um and so yeah I, I just feel that you know with choosing a wild pregnancy and to choosing choosing to birth outside of the system for me this time um honestly like it just feels like the safest option for me and my baby um the maternal healthcare system now is is even more stretched than it was um two years ago when my daughter was born in Fakatani, there's no LMCs working in the community so every woman who's pregnant goes to antenatal clinics at the hospital seeing whoever's rostered on building no relationship um when we know that continuity of care with a known and chosen midwife produces the best outcomes for mums and babies. Um, Midwife-supported home birth is not available in the Eastern Bay because of the lack of LMCs. And we know that home birth is the safest option for well mothers and babies. Mm. Um, And I have spent time banging my head against the wall in the maternity ward, trying to communicate to the staff and the managers there uh, these truths in the hope that things will change. Um, but trying to change the system as one person is um, quite the feat. So yeah, just choosing to take full sovereign responsibility for this experience. It just honestly feels so natural, so right, so easy just to live my life um, knowing that I'm pregnant, connecting in with my baby, Um, ensuring that you know I'm taking really good care of myself that I'm getting my nutrients that I'm listening to my body Um, and I know that if a situation arises where I do have a legitimate concern I can seek that medical support Um, I know that it's there Um, but essentially I don't believe that birth is a medical event it's a physiological event that happens from our subconscious um you know when I learned about the her story of the medicalization of birth of this this centuries long story of the church and the state um the witch hunts taking this knowledge this sacredness from our communities and from our women um it's just a no-brainer to me why would I enter into that um it's, and, and don't get me wrong, it's really challenging to go against the grain and to be um, vulnerable in my isolated experience um, and opening myself up to judgments and opinions and criticism from others. Um, fortunately, um, none of those have been directed to my, my person, <laughs> to my face. Um, but I'm sure that people do have their opinions, but, you know, I know how educated I am. I know how um, I believe in birth. I believe in my physiology. I'm so fucking excited to birth this baby at home in full power, supported by people who love me and believe in me um, and who will give me that, that afi and aroha in those moments where I'm going to need it um, without taking anything away from the experience amazing yeah yes sister I love this I love this so much um sovereign birth sovereign pregnancy you know just 
knowing that you are just experiencing another day in the life of being a woman, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a woman who happens to be pregnant. And of course, your body is going to grow your baby and birth your baby just, yeah, without the mm. need for any kind of unnecessary medical interventions, because why wouldn't it? You know, why wouldn't it? And I, and I really feel like the, the education piece around navigating this over-medicalized birth system is really seated in unlearning. It's about undoing all of the lies that we have been led to believe are truths about our birthing capabilities, about our birthing bodies, about our ability to make the best and most wisest and intuitive choices for ourselves and our babies and our births. Um, so that unlearning, undoing all that conditioning that says that uh, people with, you know, medical degrees know what's better um, for us in terms of um, pregnancy and birthing choices than we do, or that, um, yeah, when it comes to mothering, that that yeah, other people um, know what's safest for us and our babies when it comes to how we choose to um, feed them or, um, you know, nurture them. Um, our sleeping choices and arrangements, all these things, right? Like they, so much of our decision-making, um, well, so much of it is taken away from us, but when we do make decisions for ourselves in pregnancy and birth and motherhood, um, so often they are seated in fear, right? And that fear has come from a lifetime of conditioning, of grooming, of teaching us that birth is a medical event, um, that intuition is a bunch of woo-woo nonsense, that um, doctors and other authority figures know better than we do what's best for us and our babies. Uh, yeah, and so unlearning all that and coming back to remembering, coming back to just knowing what we innately know how to do without having to do all the all the study and research you know the, mm. <laughs> the energy in terms of education needs to be in like I say in that unlearning um in in remembering yeah mm. and it's a massive process isn't it like mm. when we really sit and take stock of the systems that control our society not just in birth but across the board and you know when we choose to take this level of responsibility for our lives um it's massive and intimidating and i and i you know i just want to honor here that um in my choice to have a wild pregnancy and a birth outside of the system in no way am i um judging or um you know making a a, a call upon anyone else's choices i i know that everyone makes the best choice for them. I so mm -hmm. firmly believe that. And um, that's valid and perfect. And, and this isn't going to be the choice for everyone. And I would never say that it is. Um, it's just what's right for me, just in the same way that someone choosing um, an elective cesarean, that's might be the right choice for them. And so long as they're informed and supported, then that is beautiful. That is, you know, that is the best and ultimate that I wish for every woman and birthing person. 
100 percent yeah yeah we are so on the same page there right like safe birthing isn't about mode of birth it's about knowing your options and being supported and what feels right for you mm-hmm. yeah yeah it really is and it, likewise trauma is is the opposite of that is is having is not knowing your options and or not being supported and what feels right for you um and yeah so so yeah thank you for pointing that out though like I I love that you know this isn't a statement about what is right for everybody out there Mm. you know um this is about what's right for you um Mm. and and honoring that yeah 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 because I I want to acknowledge as well that there is a lot of you know um dogmatic approaches to free birth and like speech marks you know there are some really strong opinions about what qualifies as a free birth and some strong opinions about um you know your wokeness level if you're not you know ready to free birth then you've got so much work to do and da di da like which I just call bullshit on you know this isn't a a hierarchy of consciousness it's Mm -hmm. every woman is making the choice hopefully is supported to make the choice that is best for her and um yeah this is just what I believe to be best for me and my baby Mm. so what challenges have you faced um thus far how how far along in your pregnancy are you um ish yeah I don't really know and I'm I'm happy not to have a due date it's nice to just be flowing with it um but I think I'm about 16 weeks okay um so yeah challenges I don't know I guess um I guess just like not having um like yeah I guess a community well I mean no that's not necessarily true because I do have a lot of beautiful friends who were pregnant when I was pregnant with Molly and who are now pregnant again so I do have a community in that sense of pregnant woman but I guess not being under a traditional model of care um not that I ever received what I wanted from that but you know I would I would love to have met a wise elder home birth midwife to walk beside and to learn from and to be supported by in this journey Mm. um that's not my experience and that's not my reality um but I think it is something that I grieve in a sense that Mm. that's not available to me because Mm. I I think that we all want to be it's like a primal thing from our ancestral days of birthing with the women in our community with our sisters and our friends and our aunties and the grandmothers who can guide us through the sacred rite of passage um Mm. I feel the the emptiness of that um Yeah, yeah I love that you bring this to the table um yeah because I you know I've had that question in my mind like I didn't even know about free birth you know free birth being a birth without any um you know medical professional or professional or midwife and in, in attendance right um 
I didn't even know about this until relatively recently that this is a thing that people are choosing to pre-birth, you know, and, and it does seem to be growing in popularity. And I think for, for good for good reason, because there simply, like you say, is not the support that's needed to have a safe birth experience, um, you know, at home. And uh, and so I'm, yeah, I'm really liking what you're saying here. And I, like I've contemplated if I was to get pregnant again, which is so not happening, <laughs> but if I was, would I, would I, I've, I've had, you know, three children were all born at home um, with amazing midwifery care because I was a midwife when I got pregnant with my firstborn. I, I, you know, I was knew the amazing midwives, the ones who, like you, you know, talked about the wise elder, the, the people who um, I knew would trust my process and support me with love and respect and, and all those beautiful things. Um, I had those experiences with my three. And so I wonder now, if I was to get pregnant now, would I choose, a, you know, a free birth? Um, because I'm, I'm captivated by this like radical self-responsibility by this, like just this, um, like just owning your, your experience that much, trusting yourself that much. I'll, I'll know if I need extra support, et cetera, et cetera. Or, would I choose to have one of these beautiful home birth midwives with me if if, if they were available and, and you know and they're becoming less and less available with um, modern times and um, mandates etc. Um, but what would I choose? And yeah, I think I'd go with the midwife if if it was the option um, because I, you know I just know how much I used to look forward to um and you, you yeah you kind of described it quite beautifully that sort of community that wise elder right I used to so look forward to my antenatal appointments my midwife would always come into my home and we would sit with a cuppa and just talk about life <laughs> for mm. an hour you know like yeah of course we did the the you know Felt, she felt my poku and um, listened into the baby. And, um, you know, we talked about, about my birth hopes and, uh, and just, yeah, how I wanted things to be after the birth and, and just about life. And we just got to know each other. And it was just always so beautiful. I would so look forward to those appointments. And, and likewise, in, in birth, I looked forward to having my midwife there and witnessing and just being part of that celebration and of course all the beautiful postnatal care afterwards so that was always just it was always a treat I guess you know and it and it feels to me like that's how it should be that's how it probably has been through through all the ages of humanity like women supporting women you know um, those who've been been through birth themselves who have supported others to give birth for for a long time um who really just trust and know that process <clears throat> and can hold space for it beautifully um i believe we are meant to be supported by those sorts of people mm. yeah i think it's yeah a, you're a travesty that that people are sort of you know choosing choosing free birth because it's like the lesser of the you know the evils in terms of options yeah yeah 
yeah, absolutely. Um, and your description of your antenatal care is so beautiful. And that is what I expected from antenatal care when I was pregnant with my daughter. And, you know, it was a harsh reality check that actually, no, it's a 10 minute clinical appointment. There's no real relationship building. There's no getting to know each other. There's no sitting in my home with a cuppa. Um, and that was, yeah, it was really difficult. It was not what I expected. I, I, I envisioned what you described. And it's so sad that, you know, midwifery has been eroded mm -hmm. so much over the years. You know, your daughter's 21, mm -hmm. is she? That's yeah, so, yeah. yeah, you know, in the last two decades with how much things have changed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as you say, that people are choosing free birth because the other alternative just seems so, um, yeah, un unfathomable and, and unacceptable. Um, and that, you know, that is a contribution to my choice. But as you said before, you know, this, this taking responsibility for this experience and just claiming it and protecting it and and honoring the sacredness of it um that's really the main driver for me mm. yeah how has nick your your husband how has he um been <laughs> how has he come on board or not <laughs> with regards yeah. to wild pregnancy and pre-birth yeah um so when we were pregnant with my daughter um, and I told him that I wanted to have a home birth, he was, he had his reservations, you know, no, no, no. It's first time, like let's just do it in the hospital. Like he's way more mainstream than I am. Mm. <laughs> and then with love, um, I'm pretty anti-establishment by nature. Um, but he, as I was reading and learning um about physiological birth and about the rates of intervention in the hospital setting, I would communicate passionately this information to him. And he, um, you know, is a facts-driven human, like many of our men. Um, and he really took that on board and he respected my decision and came to be 100% supportive of, of a home birth. And obviously that was going to be mid midwifery supported. Um, so now leading into this wild pregnancy, you know, I, I would say that he would prefer if I was to have some tests and some scans, um, but he respects the fact that that's not what I want to do. And he um, respects my knowledge and intuition and um, has respected me saying to him, you know, that he he needs to find peace with that he needs to um as part of his work as a father um and birth support person come to find a level of comfortability with the unknown because I say to him you know like well, I could go for a blood test today and we could have an ultrasound tomorrow but that only tells us a piece of information from that particular moment like anything could happen at any moment and it's this uncertainty um, and surrender that I believe we need to grow our comfortability with as a culture um, because birth, you know, 
gosh, there's just so many unknowns and, and we can do what we can to prepare. Um, but ultimately we have to surrender. And mm-hmm. so um, we are going to have Soph there as our doula. Um, yeah. And so that brings him a lot of comfort knowing that it's not just going to be me and him in the space. And it brings me a lot of comfort knowing um, the beautiful support that she will provide him because he needs that and deserves that. And that was missing from Molly's birth for both him and me. Um, You know, it's a relatively new phenomenon having our men in the birth space and there's no like cultural context for them to anchor into, to understand how to show up and to um, trust the process and trust us. And, you know, there's so much work for our men to do and not a lot of spaces that are currently providing it. Like I see more and more, there's a few things coming out. Um, I know Ryan Pope on Instagram, him and his partner Amber had a beautiful free birth supported by Michelle Palacia and um, he has started a men's group, um, which is amazing. But, you know, we need so much more of this. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's, he's moderately uncomfortable, but he's totally on board and totally supportive. Yeah. He's the Lovely. best. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned a little bit about preparation and um I guess yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wind up today's um, podcast episode, but get you back on here. I, I don't know in a in a couple of months maybe. Um, but yeah, just can you share with our listeners about you know maybe somebody's listening and they they had a traumatic birth experience in in hospital and they're like going, oh yeah yeah that sounds like what I need to do I I need to have a wild pregnancy I you know yeah I just need to avoid my midwife was like she was a big part of my trauma I just need to avoid midwifery care I need to avoid the hospital I avoid 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 right so so I will just I'm gonna have a wild pregnancy and, and free birth and that will keep me safe what would you say is important for people to understand about preparation for um, going into a a wild pregnancy free birth experience? Mm, I think that, you know, we, we really need to reflect and make sure that we're making this choice for the right reason um, from a place of groundedness anchored in um our truth from a from a healed place you know um I have done a lot of healing work around Molly's birth and around my relationship to the system and I've come to a place where I send love to the people who still work within that I send love to my midwife and to other care providers who perhaps did not treat me with love and I'm able to see them in their humanness and feel compassion for their own traumatic experiences of existing within the system. Um, You know, I don't, I don't feel a sense of fear. I don't feel a retraction when I enter that place or when I think about this. Um, So 
you know, like we, we there's a lot of sometimes conversation about when people are just sort of starting to learn to listen to their intuition. How do I know what my intuition is saying to me? How do I know the difference between a fearful thought of my mind and, and a grounded truth of my heart and my soul? And I think even just in me saying that, you can feel the difference between the two. Um, and so coming to choose this experience, um, you know, it doesn't, it's not a snap decision. It's a, it's a journey and it's evolving, you know, at, at any moment things could change and, you know, we might speak in a few months and, you know, who knows what, where I'll be at. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of preparation, I would just say like cultivating a connection to yourself um, through journaling, through meditation, through breath work, through art and time and nature and all of these beautiful grounding things that in some sense seem really simple that we can just kind of let them go. But I know when I take the time each day to check in with myself and my baby and journal about how I'm feeling or what's going on, in that quietness, in that space that I've created, my intuition speaks loudly and clearly and with a integrity that is undeniable. And that's what I anchor into myself. And that's what I wish for every person. Mm -hmm. um, slowing down and stepping out, stepping away from the noise of the outside world and the opinions of the professionals. Um, and yeah, as you said, you know, stepping outside of this fear-based culture mm. and anchoring into love, anchoring into our heart and, um, yeah, our spirit. There's this abundant, beautiful love that is available to us all. Mm. Um, you know, we, we both know, and I'm sure so many of us do, that healing comes from within. There is a wellspring of healing and love available within each and every one of us and we can be supported by teachers and practitioners along our journeys but only only we can do the true work and tap into that and so for me that's been my preparation mm, yeah yeah you said part of the preparation is is healing and um yeah I like from my perspective, I just couldn't agree with you more. And, and the way I was describing somebody who's listening to this and they're like, that's what I need because I felt so unsafe. It was like, yeah, that's, uh, I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> I would have brought it up, but we need to heal. We need to make decisions from a place of uh, trust and, um, and, you know, embodied um wisdom uh rather than from a place of fear and we can't do that unless we do the healing work and a lot of those practical suggestions that you that you had around you know preparation for a, a, a wild pregnancy um the journaling the the introspection the finding you know the being in nature um those those are tools that are really helpful for our healing journey is there any other suggestions you would offer um, listeners around how to find healing after they've experienced a traumatic birth well talk to you <laughs> have, a have a session with you or one of us healing birth practitioners um no um what do we provide what 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 is 
what a well, that people yeah. can just find on the on their own I mean maybe they can and so maybe I should say this having conversations with someone who can hold loving space for you to speak your truth someone who is going to validate the truth of your subjective reality um someone who can perhaps help you understand the nature of physiological birth and the difference between an intervention experience how that disruption affects our psychology how sensitive our hormonal system is to these interventions and how that disruption contributes to difficulties breastfeeding difficulties bonding someone who can just explain that actually you're not broken you're not a bad parent you're Mm. not um you know a terrible person you had a terrible experience and that is why there's been uh potentially a continuing effect Mm. of this in your life um you know, and that's what we provide. And, and I wish that everyone had a person in their life who could do that, mm-hmm. um, you mm-hmm. know, but that's sadly not, not so much the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. all that we want, right, is to be loved yeah. and to be heard and to be validated. And tragically, our maternal health care system does not offer that. Mm-hmm. Tragically, our mental health system, it does not have the capacity to serve the widespread trauma in Mm. our communities Mm. um and so that's another reason why i so passionately believe in our personal ability to heal and the 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 power of these seemingly simple practices when done regularly um to transform our lives because that's been my personal experience and i know to be true for so many other people Mm. Mm. 100 percent (laughs) a plus <laughs> plus love a girl lifelong student <laughs> yeah you put that you put that beautifully um yeah so many people leave their traumatic birth experience believing that they have a faulty body that they were at fault that they made poor choices that they are to blame for um, their bad birth experience, that they there's something wrong with them, that they are not um, bonded to their baby or that, you know, they don't feel love towards their baby. And we, as healing birth practitioners, we're all about unpacking that and helping people to understand how their trauma was not their fault, how their lack of bond with their baby was nothing to do with them being um, uh, you know, uh, like missing some genes or something that, um, you know, that meant that they were never going to be a loving mother. No, 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 no. It is all about birthing physiology and it is all about um, understanding the impacts of fear, of lack of support, of um, unnecessary interventions on that physiology that, you know, we are designed to be able to give birth safely and in ways that feel rewarding and we are designed to be set up to fall in love with our babies instantly and to and to want to nurture them and to intuitively and instinctively know how to respond to to their communication their cries their 
their need for love and being held. And we're designed to do that. It is, it is the, uh, the fear and the over-medicalization that gets in the way of us having access to what our bodies are so beautifully designed to do. Uh, so helping people to understand that, to unpack that physiology with them um, can just be so uh, liberating in terms of that removing, taking off that burden of guilt and shame, um, you know, and, and putting it in its rightful place and doing that healing and learning those things then can set people up if they're choosing to go on to have more children to to know what they need to be to to protect their the the safety and sovereignty and beauty of their birth experience and new motherhood experience yeah that feels like a like a beautiful note to end on mm. <laughs> Wow, what a, you know, what a ride. Like I'm, yeah, I've loved this conversation with you today, um, Bella, and I'm already excited about getting you back on here. <laughs> um, and, you know, what our, what our next conversations are going to bring up. Um, yeah, so thank you. Thank you for being here. Is there anything you wanted to add before we sort of sign off? Mm, no, thank you so much for having me. Um, I could talk about birth and all of these things all day long mm. um yeah yeah I just would say you know that reclaiming this knowledge learning how our body works um you know connecting to our heart and our womb on a spiritual level as well like there's so much power that lies in this place and by healing ourselves as you spoke at the start we create healing for our children and our families our mother line um that ripples effect that ripple effect rolls into our community our friendships and I so firmly believe that it is woman who will heal this earth mm. um and through healing birth we can do that so thanks for having me and for being such a special person in my life I'm so excited for these conversations in this podcast. <laughs> Me too. And thank you. Thank you, beautiful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healing Birth Podcast. If you like what you heard, please spread the love by sharing this podcast with others. Or if you'd like to connect with me, you can get hold of me via Instagram at healing.birth and through my website healingbirth.co.nz I'd love to hear from you whether that's so you can share feedback or suggestions or because you're potentially interested in working or training together let's do it Aroha nui you beautiful people